Well, uh, you know, I'm, I, apparently I'm back to traveling. Now, I went on, I went on a vacation. And, and remind me to come back to this phrase I think I invent, invented tonight, the parental vacation. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll return to that. But, you know, uh, it feels like it was so long ago, but it was really just last week uh, and the week before that that we had, we had two weeks back in Texas. That's why I was not uh, in previous episodes. I was on vacation. Uh, however, I, I did get the chance to see you, Brandon, after a long time. Yes, great we had. To see you. Yeah, we, you know where we went, Matt Ray. We went to uh, El Mercado on uh, on Burnett. There, it's a old solid school. choice. Solid really choice, old yeah. school. Yeah, and and it's it just like it's so nice going back to a restaurant, and you're like, "Yep, I exactly remember this taste down yeah, to the iced yeah. tea. It all tastes oh, the same." Oh, I miss iced iced tea. Wow. Now, let me, now you you didn't tell me this, Brandon. Maybe you know it doesn't pop to mind, but we went to Chewy's, and Chewy's yeah. now only has one type of salsa, Matt Ray. Get and the Oh man! And, and this is like the fall of the Roman Empire downtown. Was it? Yeah, we went to the Barton Springs one. Mm. Maybe that's the problem. That's, no, that's that's like the OG one. That one should be good. I'm yeah, not having did. any problem getting multiple salsas, and of course, really? creamy jalapeno. That's the yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. That, that is okay. also available, which is at technically the like an enchilada sauce, but they'll bring it out. Now this is this is I think okay. It's technically so that, a salad dressing, but it doesn't matter what it technically is. It's great on chips. That's what. good. That's all that really matters. It's like it's like the Mexican version of ranch. Yes. Yes. Now, yes, now it this, is, and it's great. Don't criticize it. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm a big fan. This is really great to hear that they haven't gotten rid of the salsa because this was a huge disappointment. And it does also explain when we sat down, you know, they bring you the chips and salsa. And they, so the salsa they had was their – it's not a pico de gallo, but it's sort of like a lightly blended salsa. You know, sure. it's not – I don't know. I don't know how to like, describe that. It doesn't have any lettuce, but it's, it's pretty close to salad. Yes, and <laughs> and so salad. so when we sat down, I said like you know could we have could we have the roja or the red salsa? And then I don't think she actually heard me because she brought me some creamy jalapeno. And you know I wanted the chewy salsa that has the little bits of carrots in it, like you know yeah. that the the standard. And it just it uh, was not available. And the rest of the food was was good exactly as I remember it. It was uh, it was tasty. But I was there in Austin. Well. I was I was on on vacation when I wasn't there, but I went to uh, I went to DevOps Days Austin, where uh, I I, ga- I gave a talk like everyone else. It was well, like the other people who gave talks there, I did that. But it was it was I think this is is this true? I think this is the first conference I've been back to to actually give. That's not true because we had a conference, but it's the first not us conference, uh, you know, big general conference that I went to, and it was uh, I have to say, it's really nice giving talks in person. I think. Uh, <laughs> I'd kind of forgotten about this, but like, boy, giving a talk online, not recommended. It is, uh, it's, it, it like, it sort of like checks the box of getting some work done, but it's really like not at all the, uh, the same effect. It's, uh, you know, you know, when you have, as, as we're doing now, when you have people who interact with you, uh, when you're talking to a computer, I think that works. And all those like over 20 some odd like executive dinnery things I did over the past two years, you know, people are talking to you there, so that's nice. But just like the experience of like giving a talk into the nothingness, I think uh, I think I think I think they call that Twitch. If if I remember, oh, which oh. Uh, hey, we we got we got the people chatting at us and the channel. Um, that's true. I'm that's excited true. This, though. This format my, works. This format's all right. Well, I'm I'm going to my my uh, my first in person conference next month too. Oh yeah. In what? Oh, what, what yeah, are you going so to? I, I'm going to FinOpsX and the open Whoa. source, open source uh, 
summit, which is like, you know, a big umbrella of yeah. conferences. Now, yeah. I, want, I, I, I understand why you would be going to, to FinOps X, but yes. I, want to just, I want to explore this phrase because I feel like, I feel like, you know, definitely I can see how DevFinSecOps, DevOpsFin, <laughs> Fin, more than fin, a mouthful. fin DevOps. I can see how that gets created, but I feel like what's happened now is someone encountered the phrase DevX, and they were like, "Boom! Put the X on the end of there." And now we've got we've got everything. <laughs> we've got yeah. fin, fin DevSecOps X, which is all about the experience yeah. of, of a a fully integrated digital transformation experience. From. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know where the X came from, um, but. Uh, I'm going, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a, a certification test. Get uh, oh for what certified FinOps practitioner. Okay, so, exciting stuff. Yeah. Now, for, now as given, someone who has no certifications, <laughs> given now I don't want to set you up for this, but given the place you work for, do you get fired if you don't uh, get the certification? Is that what well, happens? Don't put that idea in their mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll have to edit that part out. That's uh, that. <laughs> But I imagine no, certi- no. I, I actually was like, "Hey, as long as I'm going, sh- should I get certified?" And they're like, "All right, sure, why not?" <laughs> that that makes sense. That you know, I was talking with someone and, and Kim, we because we of course you know you just everyone's like, How, what? "I'm sure you you experienced this, Matt Ray." They're like, "Oh, what's it like not living here?" And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so so we were talking about this, that, and the other, and we were commenting about how. Uh, we could trade in our driver's license to get a, a, a Netherlands driver's license, which is fantastic, right? But then I didn't realize this, but but Kim reminded me that we are going to have to take a driving test if and when we come back to get a driver's license again. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I was thinking, like, I bet it is harder. Well, maybe not harder, but I bet it's harder than you think when you're, you know uh, – uh, how old am I? Forty three, like a forty three, forty four, maybe at the time, you know, forty six year old, taking a driving test because you're probably like, I got this, and then you find you find <laughs> you're like, and you find where, all the where, things. Where, where, that where do I don't where do, do I hang my 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 shotgun? Right? And yeah. Like, oh yeah, this guy's serious yeah. business. But I was thinking now, have your your kids would be old enough to take a driving test, right, Matt Ray? Do they do this that in is Australia? A constant source of tension. My 18-year-old does not have a driver's license and not very interested in it. And I'm yeah. like, seriously, you're 18. He's like, is it, is, what? We've got buses. We've got trains. What else do I need? I was like, it, go to Ikea and tell me what you need. Right? Yeah. <laughs> is, is he just afraid to go to that big uh, Christmas tree of steering wheels that all the war boys have to pick from <laughs> and, like, stick onto their car? You know, he hasn't quite mastered, you know, having flames coming out of his guitar at the same time. So, you know, he's just not ready to drive in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So, but here's what I was wondering. So maybe, I guess, I guess there's a different type of driver test there. But I feel like, so the parallel parking test, that's sort of like the, uh, I don't know, an analogy. That's the like the hardest. Exam. I'd say yeah. that's the final exam of getting the, right. the, the test. Uh-huh. But I feel like every car nowadays has a rear camera. And like, so do they, do they like get like a 15-year-old car to do the test Ugh. in? Because if you have a rear camera, like you're either going to have to like, you're going it, to, it could be super easy or maybe you just up the standards, right? Like uh, that, maybe you've got to be, that's fine, maybe right? you've got to be like, when you finish this parking job, you must be half an inch from the curb, right? Like that, because really like, I mean, that's, I don't know about no, y'all, wait but that's, is the, that's the what I sacrifice. The parking camera 
doesn't seem like the big issue here. The the one that seems to be the uh, the real hack is the self the car that self parks itself. Like you know, you <laughs> yes. have the, yeah, I've been yeah, in yes. one of those cars. Yeah, yeah. Or, Can you take a sit in a Tesla test? Yeah, I mean, no. honestly, the the camera seems like okay. That doesn't even seem. I like I, I think he he's drank the the, the techno Kool Aid and thinks that he's going to be there before he actually needs to drive on his own. And I'm like, oh. that's not happening, dude. It's uh, been ten like, years like away I since I was ten, or something. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I uh I was playing that game with Kim cuz we we actually got some time to spend uh alone with each other, which I recommend if you have a spouse. You should uh you should look into that. Uh but you know, I I've mentioned this game that we play and I was mentioning the game like imagine that you're reborn with all your current knowledge, right? And I think I think I think one of my major regrets is that I didn't get a uh a hardship license so I could drive when I was 15. So that was definitely on my list. That was, that was an option? Did you live on a farm? What's going on there? Well, I learned, I learned to hack. I mean, it's been long enough. I'll, I, could, I think I can name it. But my friend Mason, my, my best friend at the time, the one who drove me around, he uh, had a single mother. And so to qualify for a hardship license, he always kept some laundry in the back of the car. In case he was pulled over, he could be like, oh, yeah, I've got to help my mom. I'm on the way to do laundry right now. Now, that, that, was, that was never tested. But that, I think that's the urban oh, version. Oh, that is of- such the sort of scheme that, like, high school students would share with each other. Like, dude, just throw some laundry in the back. And if yep. the cop pulls you over, he can't give you a ticket, man. <laughs> that's right. And, and, that, and, and that, I think that's, like, the urban equivalent of, like, of like you know, a, of what a farm person would do, you know? Like, just- did, wait, wait, wait. Did, did Mason also tell you that if you ask him if they're a cop, they have to tell you they're a cop? Maybe, maybe. He was probably also, like, you know, you can just, you can, you can hide your tall boy in the laundry if, if anything happens. This episode is sponsored by IT Bro. To everyone in search of great industry content, be sure to tune in to IT Brew's virtual launch event on May 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern. This event will explore some of the biggest challenges facing IT leaders today, including humanizing your tech stack, the pandemic's continued influence on the industry, relationships between IT and other parts of an organization, and building a team that thinks holistically and collaborates effectively. This event will enable you to tap into a community of IT professionals eager to think big, share expertise, and find solutions to these challenges. The event is completely free to attend, and it takes just a minute to sign up. Register today via the link in the show notes. And of course, we thank IT Brew for sponsoring our show. Well, it occurs to me that while I have given out some good uh, life advice, well, I don't know, maybe questionable, we, we need some teenagers to test out the, the laundry theory of early driving. Uh, you know, maybe this varies county to county. Uh, I imagine if you're in a smaller county, the uh, you know the two police officers if they pull you over they're probably like yeah I don't think so Ricky like they probably <laughs> know uh, exactly what your situation is but whatever but I didn't actually go over what uh, what we did at DevOps days uh, and I think you know this DevOps days being the ten year uh, I, I was going to say reunion but yeah. anniversary there you go of, of DevOps days Austin uh, they they basically curated a lot of talks that were kind of like you know what's up with that. You know, it's it's uh, let's check in on DevOps, and I think you know, as I was watching many of them, I mean, there were there were there were. It is good to see a uh, a review of where you are at the moment, but you know, I think you have to be a little careful when you're giving one of these talks as a speaker. Like the main thing you want to keep in mind when you're doing a a sort of retrospective talk is that like it's really easy to turn into a eulogy. Like, so you got to <laughs> you got to make sure to like you know go over. 
not only the history of what's happened, but you can have some interesting highlights about unexpected things that happened. And then, of course, you have to do the old, I think someone actually, maybe even a few people use this phrase, the old, um, <clears throat> let's look back to look forward uh, sort of situation. And, uh, you know, I think, I think my, my sort of filing away of stuff, or, or, or at least what occurred in my mind is that, like, yeah, I think there's, there's, I think DevOps is in that situation that Agile sort of was when DevOps came about, where like we all sort of kind of get it, and it's like you know we sort of kind of like talk about doing it, and it's just sort of like not a big deal anymore as far as like a new and fresh thing. And I think now that said, like I, I don't, I didn't watch all of the talks because you know I always like to go. Uh, run off and talk with people. I caught up with our friend, no SSHJJ, which was fun. And uh, like, I, I feel like maybe, you know what I encounter is I encounter a role called a DevOps engineer, which I think is like the evolution of I manage the chef and puppet scripts. Like it's, it's basically like... <laughs> they dabble into Kubernetes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think DevOps engineer means... I am in charge of infrastructure that is 10 years old or less, right? I, like you're kind I, I of think like, it means you're going to touch a CI CD pipeline. Yes. Yes. And then, and then there's also like, that's the advanced DevOps engineer is that you're oh, building the, tool, senior. the tool yeah. chains and the platforms. But I think it's that gradient of like, I don't manage like vSphere or other stuff. No, those are but instead, jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Like instead I manage like the, the, I, I'm like the, the, the principal of the middle school of IT infrastructure, right? Like all, all these kind of 10 years old or less stuff. I guess it's a, it's a combo elementary middle, middle school. And uh, I, I don't know. Plus what you were saying, Matt Ray, like, you know, pipelines. And uh, you might do, the, uh, you might do the, the sort of like, uh, what was it? Uh, Ops Fin X. You might do some cost management of cloud, things like that. But I'm I'm not uh, I don't know we have was we that have the a, main takeaway then is it sort of like like you said before it's sort of like okay it's kind of mainstream the roles whether we, whether we not we think it should have like DevOps should have a job role it sort of does like there is a DevOps engineer yeah, now yeah. there is I, a I, head of you know DevOps and, and maybe that's an oxymoron or maybe that's funny but like that sort of does seem like the state the current state of where we've come in ten years. Yeah, and you know, I don't. Again, this is, these are like ideas I was having as people were giving talks, which isn't to say I came up with all of this. It's just to say that, like, I'm not directly quoting. Uh, people said a lot of different things, but it's kind of the the melange, if you will, this this toss salad that came out of all of it. And uh, you know, I, th- I think the other thing that came up a lot that like. I don't know. I mean, I think I knew this, but I didn't really think about it. Is that like. All that like cultural stuff in DevOps, I think that also is kind of sort of mainstream in, in, in the world of IT. Like everyone kind of knows that you should stop being a jerk and like work with and, <laughs> and stop being a jerk and, and start flossing. Yeah, and, and like work with people and like collaborate with them more. Now, I'm obviously grossly simplifying things, but like I, uh, there really isn't a conversation I have nowadays where like people don't talk about like culture and people and working together. And there's a lot of other drivers besides DevOps that like brought us to that point. But like, especially in the infrastructure and even in the software development world, like, uh, I don't know, that's, that's like, I feel like that's been the majority of like calendar time of the flag but there's a lot of metaphors here uh, of the flag that DevOps has been carrying is just like, yeah, you should uh, 
treat people like humans and be nice <laughs> <laughs> and and all of the detail that comes with it but like that uh that came up pretty frequently and then of course our friend barton george was there and just uh he had a lot of fun quotes and excerpts uh, from the last 10 years of... Yeah, it's of, a nice uh, presentation. We should put it in the show notes. Well, Kote, one thing uh, people are asking about in the chat, and I think we chatted a little bit, you gave me a little preview of your talk when you're here in Austin, was the question is specifically, is platform engineer the new thing? And then I think that sort of dovetails nicely. I think you gave like a little talk on platforms. So like what, maybe maybe give us a preview. If they were to hear that platform talk, what would they hear? And what, what's your take on, is, is the platform engineer the new DevOps engineer? I, I think the answer is yes. I don't know if that exists yet, but I think that's the uh, natural evolution. And like that, that being even beyond what Matt Ray was saying, right? That if, 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 if the more gifted DevOps engineers work on your CICD pipeline, I think, I think the Doogie Housers of DevOps engineers, they, they go in and they actually like build that, uh, that SRE dream of a platform. You're, what, what do they call it? The internal developer platform? There's like the, there, is it, is it, yeah, yeah or it's like, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a platform and, and, that everybody wants to have internally, and you have the team that services like, oh, you're going to need this and this, and you know, we'll, we'll bring yeah, some open shift. That we'll like product manages it yeah. for you. Yeah, and yeah. you and, have and like an internal product manager. Yeah, everybody wants and, it. And last, last I encountered, I think it was like ambassador that was like doing some thought leadering on that's this. That's a like, new title. They're, they're, no, it's the name of a company, right? Oh. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, wow. I, I mean, I've no, been an no, evangelist. No. I've been, you know, an ops manager. Well, man, I think you yeah. got to fin- finish your quote. You said like everybody wants it. And then I felt like you were going to say something else. You stopped. Everyone wants the platform. But what, Matt? What, what, what is your thought there? Oh, I mean, that that's the, the, the goal is... You know, everywhere, every customer, large enterprise I go to, you know, be it that has more than like two applications that they're running, eventually they get to the point where they're like, well, we need a platform, you know, so we can start standardizing things, right? We're going to, yeah. we're going to throw in some, uh, some spring boot. We're going to, you know, we're going to, um, you know, pick a language and stick to that. We're going to have a standardized monitoring and logging and, you know, DevSecOps and some CI CD and somebody has to maintain that. Right. And so every, every company is going to have flavor and that's why you know that's what all these enterprise companies are selling you know they're servicing that internal platform so so this was this was that that gets to the last part of it, it was it was nice i had a 20 minute talk so i had to pick one point to make which is as 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 even short time listeners know is very difficult for me i'm i'm always very excited to make lots of points uh but the the, the one thing I, I was leading up to and it wasn't recorded which means i can give it again another time as if it's the first time which is great I think there's a there's a song about that in some like later yacht rock uh, playlist, but like what what's nice uh, the point that I was getting to is that so here's the slide I ended with I I, uh, I had I had a screenshot of Heroku in 2007 and let me tell you uh, fellas and fellerets and and fells that if you wanted to find a screenshot of the launch Heroku website it is impossible. And if you wanted to find an architectural diagram of, of early Heroku, also impossible. I had to like go into Safari and go to like page 85 of searching the word Heroku to find a book that had like from 2007 or 2008 that had a screenshot of the Heroku interface. Not even the architectural diagram. I don't know what people were doing back there. I mean, you always need an architectural diagram, but it just uh, doesn't exist. And And so... 
what what I what I found. Uh, so I have that, uh, and the 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 problem was uh, after that. I also had, of course, at first I had a picture of Brian Gracely's, uh, you know, groundbreaking 2015 diagram of the opinionated <laughs> platform, right? But then I thought, like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to be commercial. And I found a 2015 version of Pivotal Cloud Foundry as another platform. So then you have that. And then after that, of, I had a, a, you know, a picture of, uh, of our, our new thing, the Tanzu application platform on Kubernetes, right? And it's just like, these are just representative. But the point that I'm making here is that we keep reinventing this platform thing over and over again, right? Like we, we had it over here. We had it in the middle. And then... I finally, it's, it's been, I, I've resisted using a screenshot of the famous A Platform for Building Platforms tweet until this point. And I finally broke out and I put that tweet underneath there and I drew an arrow up between the, uh, the middle and the last one. And, you know, the point being like, and now we're reinventing it again. Isn't that lovely, right? And, but, you know, as I was putting this together, I was thinking like, I should not be so cynical. And so what I, instead of being the old man yelling at Paz, I should instead be like, let's just like remember a little bit more this time when we totally rewrite it. And, <laughs> let's and, let's and learn I, a lesson from history. And I, and I think it was, it was the influence of, of the, one of the major theories we've developed on this very podcast that drove this, which was like, I'm finally at peace with the idea that every five to 10 years, we have to just completely rewrite systems management oh, yeah. and monitoring. Yeah. And, and I guess it's, it's pretty much the same way with these platforms. It's just like, you can set a clock to it. It's going to be like, Five to eight years, and then, you know, just fuck it. We're going to rewrite it. And <laughs> it's just the way things are going to occur. And I think uh, it's not any one particular – it's just the natural order of things. Well, it's because no... it's, it's nobody who built it five years ago is around anymore, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think that's, the, that's kind of the thing I was, I was trying to, as, as they say, look forward to. In the DevOps world, I think probably the next thing we need to figure out is, like, let's build out this new platform and uh, just make it a little bit better this time by Again. learning from the, uh, the, the stuff that we had. Because I think that's what people want. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what I hear people wanting all the time that the DevOps people can deliver. Well, while there is a lot of, uh, of need to build out new platforms, uh, I, you know, Matt Ray, you are a resident uh, day trading expert, a regular uh, – what's, what's that guy's name, Brandon? Ray Dalio? I think it's it's sure. Matt Ray yeah. Dalio we we have here with us and uh, what, what's going on with the stock markets? Uh, it looks like it looks like if you wanted to purchase like uh, um, like Snowflake or HashiCorp, it's oh, deal yeah. season or something. What's, now, uh, now's what's the up? time to buy. That that's is this is, that's the very optimistic way of looking at it. Is this now's is this the something time is, to buy? Is this something about the Fed and interest rates, or uh, is China involved? What's what's going on here? Well, wait a minute. Well, putting aside like whether or not the stock market's going to go up or down in the long term, I think we have no idea. But I do think the one thing I felt like that was unleashed over the weekend was sort of the uh, the content machine of everyone writing about get ready for the downturn, and everyone saying like this was another con- kind of thing. It's like this group of investors, workers venture capitalists haven't been through a downturn it hasn't happened since 2008 or hasn't happened since 2000 and uh, it feels very like paternalistic like oh you know all of you people who haven't you know been working or investing since i don't know i'm just gonna pick you you think that they they had this already queued up just yeah i do i mean it's like 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 the queen's obituary they're like just like the stock market had a great life 
Yeah, I don't know. I, it does feel like it is. It's sort of like the embargo has been lifted on. Oh, okay, you know, a pandemic that's over, and uh, now it's all about inflation, and it's all about. Uh, the, and it does feel to me just like one. I always think it's funny when I read all this. Is like nobody has any idea what's really going to happen. That's my only. That's the only thing I would ever say is a hundred percent true. And two, it does seem like like especially the Uber CEO. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, he he sent out quite a long missive about like, you know, uh, hiring will be a privilege and, you know, cost cutting is coming out. And I just, I, every time I see this stuff, I just wonder like, why, like, why are you waiting to send this out now? Like, is, it seems like you should always be thinking about, you know, about hiring and like, how's it adding to your unit economics and making money. So, so it just feels like to me, like there's just a lot of just like, I don't know, I don't know what to call it cheap, but just sort of like uh rep- repetitive oh, kind yeah. of uh downturn talk that, has no new information right like if you I, know I, I when think, the downturn is going to be over that is great if you're going to just tell us that you need to cut costs my question is like i don't know what happened two months ago like probably should have been thinking about running your business profitably then like not much has really changed so, <laughs> you, so i just I, I hate the, the this like uh this this media like everything's cycle. different yeah yeah i mean do you, do you think somewhere he's like sitting in his office and he turns and he picks up that hat that says wartime ceo and he puts it on like, i know well, I my time has sure, come I, you know, you know, you know, the Sequoia memo, if it hasn't already been referenced a million times, it's like suddenly, you know, all everyone comes out is like writes a memo about wartime referring to like it's going to be troubled ahead, which of course is not really wartime. It's it's not, you know, it has nothing to do with war. It's just sort of and and again, it just seems like the same thing over and over. And I think the Uber one, he even when he wrote it, he just said that he was like, I was just meeting with investors they're happy about this, but they, they really tell me that earnings are going to be important in the future. And we've got it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I think they're always important. Like, and we've got to like buckle down. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. I think, I think you always need to buckle down. And, and so, and then again, too, like, I think the way he was talking about hiring was really like the privilege word. I, I was like, I don't know. You probably should have had someone proofread that. Like you probably could have come up with a better word. Like you could have just said, well, you know, maybe we have to hire slower than anticipated but like i don't know the privilege is, just comes across as a very um at least for me it kind of hit me i was like that and the other question i always have is like okay now that we're doing all these cutbacks if that's what needs to be happening is like can uh, we cut data on some of the administrative overhead like will we have less mbrs will we left have less bureaucracy because there's less people and we should how maybe about, thin out some of our <laughs> thin out some of our processes and like when we do hire we should do it quick and efficiently and approve expense reports quick but we shouldn't like have um you know a very lengthy review process if we've kind of really made sure we're hiring the right people like i never hear any of that right like hey this is a chance to really kind of like think of our internal bureaucracy but i doubt it i doubt i think you're gonna have all the same reviews and uh the meetings for meetings and as cote you always like talk about the uh the presentation reviews by someone that's going to approve your slides for the conference it's like like there's lots of stuff we could take out, I think. And then, so why not use the downturn to kind of, uh, if you will be more efficient? Yeah. You know, and it's an, a, another thing that is, uh, always, it, it's like, it's like the, uh, like, like whatever, whatever the negative version of a halo effect is, right? Like, like a halo, <laughs> a halo effect being like something is fantastically successful. And we, we, one sort of, gleefully applies causation to things that like, but really it was just like, who knows why they were successful. It wasn't because like, you know, they had an unlimited vacation policy. They just like their, their competitors were shit or something, right? Like who, who, who knows, who knows why it worked out well, but there, there's the negative version of that, which is 
and I don't know. I, I don't remember the Uber letter well enough, but like every anytime I hear about what investors are telling you, it kind of like is this this hole in the uh, in in the like the stock market reality generator, which is like your investors are all like, hey, we know you're a high growth company and like you should be focusing on growing your market and dominating. But when we go to the rest of the market, the other investors are looking for more cash flow. And the way they're going to be evaluating things yes. is is based on the, the numbers. So like they're kind of dummies. But we have to go along with what they're saying so we can survive because we're more intelligent. So then we can reap the profits when the dummies get happy again. And it's kind of like, are you sure you're not also the dummies? Right? Like, because like you don't really, there's not really a good explanation of why this is happening or how you would escape it. So you're just assuming, as as your your, uh, reflexive, spring loaded press people say, that uh, there is a flight to safety. And it's like, well, like if everyone's flying to safety, but then they're kind of all fly. They're all fleeing because, like, to use a Dave Attell joke uh, to, to reference him, he's like, I'll, I'll try to um, de Dave Attell it to make it a little family friendly. He's like, if you see a naked man running down the street at full force, you follow that man because whatever's behind him, you do not want to meet. And it's kind of like so now, like all these other investors are all those naked people running down the streets, and you're you're just like, I I have no idea why they're running, but I assume right. it's bad. And I agree with that. I think you hit on a lot of good points there. And I think I would just add to it. It's like, you know, in the case of Uber, I mean, it's just a special case. I think it's like people have been questioning the unit economics from Uber since almost the day it was created, right? And so, you know, this should be no surprise that, hey, there's a large group of people that wonder if this is a profitable, high-growth business uh, going forward and what the valuation should be. I mean, I, I don't know. We're at least 10 years into that question. I'm not saying I have the answer, but it, it just strikes me as odd that like, okay, well, now there's a little bit of a stock market downturn and the CEO with 100% recency bias is talking to investors who are telling him, hmm, we're not sure about your unit economics. So we're really concerned about cash flow. It's like you have had well over a decade to address this question and to send out like a very long email. Like that email was like, man, he probably took him like four or five hours to write this. And I, or maybe not that long. Maybe it took him like a couple hours to write it. And like, he already three. had and it. It, like, it just, it just felt like, like, what's the point? Like, yes, people are asking if Uber is a profitable business going long-term. Like since the day you've had this job, they've asked that question. I don't think it's been definitively proven either way. I don't think the fact that stock market down generates uh, you asking the same rhetorical question that everyone has asked about your company. It's like, of course. So I don't know. It's just, like to me, and maybe this is your point, man, is this feels like it's just something reflexive that CEOs do that adds that I'm sure he sent it out. And the fact that it's being covered by the press and we're talking about it is probably maybe an indication I, that it's indication that like for yeah. some reason it's important, but it really isn't important. I guess that's my it's, whole point it's of talking not, about it's, it. Well, let, 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 let me ask you this, Matt Ray, Matt Ray Dalio. Uh, like <laughs> I think it, it feels like the only thing that I ever hear uh, in a situation like this, is that I don't know how this works, so I'm just going to lay the the stuff out on the table, and you know someone else can assemble it. But you have rising interest rates from the Fed, yeah, which through through a long chain of a system of events that just seems stupid, right? Like like you, this cotton this makes uh, basically getting a loan more expensive. That's what so it means to that do. if you. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of cash, it, quote unquote, costs you more. Now, yes. this is contrary to the way that most Americans are raised, that debt is terrible. Debt is actually awesome. 
So the way the whole system works is through taking loans at low interest rates. So once it's harder to get a loan, that means there's less cash sloshing around because people don't actually only spend – you know, the whole idea of a balanced budget is just bullshit, right? That's not how things operate. But like – because that, because basically, it seems, and I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but I think this is like but you're not. the yeah. the meme that gets out here is the way the economy works is fueled by debt, right? Yeah. Like the only way that new money has to comes, move around, and it doesn't always go up; so it goes down somewhere, and it goes and, up somewhere and so, else. Yeah. So when it's very cheap, when when it's uh, people will say zero, you know, effectively zero rates, right? But when it's like I don't know what what one to two percent is that cheap. Whatever. When it's really cheap for the already gigantic, big, wealthy things to get a hold of cash, then, of course, you know, you don't have to be profitable. There's just cash you can get uh, around. But so then if the interest rates goes up, what that implies is that now there is no cash because you can't get a loan. And so that means you do the uh, the belt tightening. And then I guess that and then the assumption is that there's this cascade of like because there will be less spending, the 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 revenue for all these public companies will be kind of crappy. So people want to escape those the the uh, those things because the numbers are bad. Now again, they could just decide that it's still worth the same amount of money, despite what the numbers say. But yeah. that also means that you shift your money to like different types of investment stuff, which ultimately doesn't really say anything about the businesses that you are moving from. Not at all. It's it's right. it's the yeah. uh, it's to use another joke. It's just like you know to outrun a bear, I just need to be faster than the other guy, right? Exactly. And, and, in this case, Uber is is the other guy, and and all the uh, the tech companies. Well, so so when it became more expensive, so when money was cheap, you know, or free, you know, people had like too much money. It also meant that saving your money didn't do you any good. So you needed to move it to something with higher returns, and that was mm. the stock market, right? And so all this funny money of you know, hey, you know, the stock market only goes one direction, and you know, it everybody put all their money into there, and now that you know, we're having a downturn, people are like, I got to put my money somewhere safe and yeah. pull it out of the stock market. So everyone's selling and it all, you know, whether or not those companies are doing well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, Amazon, Microsoft, whoever, they all had like amazing record numbers and, you know, $60 billion in revenue and, and whatnot. And it's like people, their stock still goes down, you know. Yeah. So the stock market is not really... It doesn't really have anything to do with the. I mean, it does have things to do with the performance of the company, but the in metrics the, the of the company times. can be perfectly fine. But the stock can still take a beating because yeah. everything around you is like, you know, well, we just can't hold this stock, and that's now. Now, I, I, yeah. I've been reading this book, a uh, very short book called. It's not a recommendation because I have a lot of quibbles with it. <laughs> I, I like, I like the content and the idea, but it really, whew. Boy, there's a lot wrong with it as far as narrative structure. But it's called uh, – I think it's like realis- capitalism realism. And the, the great idea of this book is is just like, well, you know, we just think it's inevitable and there's no other system. And, and like, you know, not to be all like Corey Iglesias here, but I feel like the situation you just described is like, couldn't we just decide not to do that? Like it seems like <laughs> it couldn't would be a lot have, more stable. Yeah. Like, you know, just sort of be like, yeah, I mean uh, – Everything's cool, like no problem. Like, well, I think that kind of brings you to has like, the same performance. But I feel like that's kind of where we, in some ways, where we started. Like, in some ways, what you just kind of said, there's like consumer sentiment. Consumer sentiment is just people deciding. Like, I feel happy. I'm going to buy more. I feel, you know. And I just think, you know, while the case that Matt laid out is Matt laid out is probably what most people are saying. Like, you know, interest rates. Like, the the point I would just say going forward is like 
really seven, six, seven months ago, no one was predicting this. I don't know what's going to happen. It would not shock me in a few months if like inflation was way down and suddenly the stock market roars back or vice versa. Like, you know, and I just think it's, it's always kind of like, if you will, sort of, uh, making uh making up an explanation after the fact right it's just like oh right, well right, of right. course we also because no one was really pre- a few people were uh, as always there's always a few people that are predicting it and get it right um kind of like professor galloway if you make enough predictions eventually you hit on one but you know to pretend that like oh this is going to be the way it goes go forward because like as we've already seen with all the crazy stuff whether it's meme stocks or the pandemic like sometimes the obvious way you think things are going to play out is is exactly wrong right so i don't know what's going to happen but i also think like you know, kind of back to the, the Uber thing or just like this idea of just like saying, laying out the case and just stating kind of the facts in your current situation doesn't really help the situation. It doesn't help a company like Uber. Like you should have been thinking about this all along, just like every company, every company should be thinking about like we got to hire, you know, hire when we need it. We need to be thinking about our economics. And it doesn't seem like, you know, just because the stock market moves down, we need to like suddenly like rethink everything. We should be thinking about that yeah. um, all as we go along. You know, and, and having, having, I mean, all of us with, with the experience we've had with this wonderful show, I think, I think we've all been in the thought leader work, you know, environment for a while. And you're making me think, Brandon, you know, as, as if I could speak now to my fellow thought leaders in, in HR companies, you know, I feel like probably, uh, you know, maybe it's in production and in design. I bet every single HR company is about to publish a, a, a lead gen white paper that talks about the importance of hiring people and how hard it is to find them. And I feel like, unfortunately, I mean, I've worked on these white papers. You, you get right to the finishing line, and, you, and it's been like three months you've been working on this. But I think now you probably should not publish that, right? Like now, <laughs> now you need to more move towards like the No, no, you, you put it out as contrarian. You're yeah. right. And the, right. these hard that, economic oh, times. Yes. Now is the well, no, like, that's, like having that's bold. tough conversations. That's bold. Right? You got to yeah. get attention. Have, it's all about eyeballs. Nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not okay. Totally. You're yeah. going to see that too. You absolutely are going to see like, oh, we're, you know, we've, we've just opened a thousand new recs because now's the time to hire. Yeah. And, you know, and people, and again, for those people that are doing that, it's like, I don't think that makes like, listen, either you were going to hire the people before or you, uh, exactly. Or, you're right. like, or you weren't. It's I'm like, going to wait like, for everything to go to hell in a handbasket. That's so right. Just hiring? run. The, Come on. And again, it's like all these things. Just run the business. Like, make it as profitable as possible. Keep thinking about that. Don't like, you know. Oh, it's so. I I went to the uh-huh, stock market uh-huh. and the investors helped me decide this. It's like you have no idea what you're doing. Then, like, why are you in charge? Like, just, okay, anyone can do your job. I, I want to let maybe we can we can perfect this in a few seconds here. We can workshop this. I think an idea for the HR thought leaders is something like, you know, when 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 you're fleeing the public markets, <laughs> invest in the safety of people, right? Like go Ooh, go go, go to the, the best the best investment is people. Cote so, Bloomberg's you know, got could, some space in their next issue yeah, for you. That is some thought yeah. leadership waiting to happen <laughs> right, right there. Ready to that's happen. Right. Bloomberg's probably a little like that's maybe new, more New York Times. That's a little yeah, yeah. that's a little too cutthroat for when Bloomberg. when when uh, when interest rates make cash too expensive, invest in people. <laughs> that's it. You just need <laughs> a thousand I don't even words. Know if that makes it. sense, but I like that, it. <laughs> that tweet. You just need a thousand words of anything behind that. That's gonna get. That's gonna go viral. Uh, you got like the headline now. Write the article. Yeah, don't even so, bother. Yeah, Make it quick. I, I mean, last week y'all brought up. I mean, we haven't worked on this project in a while, but you brought up the software-defined talk uh, private uh, investment, you know, hedge fund. Uh, some ideas <sighs> there, and I think 
I think maybe part of our core competency between the three of us might be coming up with snappy one-liners to, uh, <laughs> to encapsulate corporate strategy. And, 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 and the best thing is we can write them in advance for when everything takes a downturn. We'll be like, look, we've got our six-page memo already written, right? That's and right. When, when things are at the top, we're like, look how great we are, right? And we just yeah. always put those out, recycle them. <sighs> I like how you told yeah, me we wouldn't yeah. be talking about stocks, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, we'll be like, you know, we we are investing with confidence in this 30 year old uh, log management company exactly. because we believe that the only thing they lack are a few 20 word statements about what they do. And uh, that is that's the synergy we're going to be able to bring uh, to the table here. So, uh, well, you know, good luck to, good luck. Uh, to the portfolios out there. Uh, who, who knows what will happen? Keep I, your day uh, job. That's right. That's right. Well, uh so I think I think we have a uh, a few questions, Brandon. Uh, we do. Now, so I, uh, I, I, this I, is a very rare segment that we're going to call questions from the listeners. <laughs> All right. So we did. Uh, I, I put it out last week. I figured we'd we'd uh, and we did. And sure enough, we got a good question here. So this is probably a question for Matt, but Kote, you may have some experiences as well. So this one's from Slack. So Chris asked the following: I'm in the process of relocating from the U.S. to Australia. Apple insists that all subscriptions need to be canceled before changing countries. I currently have an Apple One Premier subscription, which includes two terabytes of storage in iCloud. Wondering what's going to happen to all those files I currently have stored there when I cancel this subscription and switch countries. Mm -mm. Anyone else have gone through this? So I don't know, Matt. You're in Australia. Sounds like Cote so, no, no, no. I, I want to. I, I don't know. Hear well, just because it's Australia, okay. I don't know. But maybe anyone can uh, answer that. All Go right, ahead, Matt. So, you start. So I was using the free tier of iCloud before I moved, you know, just keeping random small files in there. You know, they give you, I don't know, five gigabytes or something tiny. And so I, you know, I, I switch back and forth between them all the time. And, but the problem is I didn't have subscriptions, so I can't really answer it authoritatively. I can't tell you like, you know, there were apps in the American store that weren't available in the Australian store. And since I had a credit card in both countries, I could just switch my store back and forth. And so I'd like switch to the American store, download my app, then switch back to the Australian store. I don't know mm. what it'll do to subscriptions, though. Um, my iCloud contents never changed either way. It didn't care what country I was bound to. I'd, maybe, maybe the real question is, if you change your plan from like two terabytes to 200 gigabytes and then back, what happens to your data? Does Apple hold on to it and give it back to you later? How do they pare down You know your, your two terabytes do they just like delete a random assortment of files for you mm. um i don't hopefully, it. hopefully it's like you... slack where they've actually just been keeping everything hoping to monetize it later <laughs> Kote, have you had any experience have you had to do this well my my i haven't read the uh the policy in probably a year at least but when, when i was looking at this a lot <clears throat> i don't know it, it, let me use the simple case if you are an american moving abroad change nothing Right. Like and in fact, before Definitely. you move, before you move, you got to sign up for a bunch of other stuff. Right. Like what you're going to want to do if there's any credit cards you've been waiting to open, open those credit cards. Yep. Well, while you're still well, it's still easy if you. Um, oh, I was just thinking of uh, basically there's a what is there's a name of a service that when you buy a video in Amazon or Apple, it duplicates it between the two of them. So you got to I think that's uh-huh. so sign up for that service while you're still on on a, an American IP address because you definitely can't do it in Europe. Uh, and then also 
Now, Amazon is the opposite of all this. Amazon is really good at multi-country support. It's actually phenomenal, and it proves that it's not a big deal. Yeah. But I have found that every other service just, like, has no idea that the rest of the world exists. Well, I shouldn't put it that way. They have no idea. Now, now, well, they, other companies, Amazon does, but other companies don't have a notion that, like, people would move to another country, right? right. So with Apple, uh, there are some things that if I was, if to Apple I was in the Netherlands, if I changed my country to the Netherlands, I could get, like, the Ziggo, which is the cable streaming app. However, when I was reading through it, if I switched my country from the United States to any other country, I would immediately lose the IP for everything that I bought. So it's sort of what they basically do is they just restart you over, which makes sense because there's different IP policies everywhere. Um, But yeah, it's like a really bad idea. Just switch nothing over. And every now and then you'll have to put up with some annoyances, but like, don't, don't do it. Like, and in fact, just like I, you know, any expat does when they go back, before you move, like get two huge suitcases and load them up with as many American sasses as you can. And just like, <laughs> like you know, get, get, you got to like get bank accounts. Just even if you don't yep. need them, sign up for two additional bank, bank accounts, accounts, credit just cards, just so you have them. And make sure services. you get, yeah, get debit cards, get streaming services. Like, and the reverse of this, I've and I a phone was actually, number. Make sure you get yes. your phone number. I mean, that's just now. Now, yeah, exactly. That's the, the third thing that I finally got on this trip back after many years is I finally got a Google Fi SIM card. They have an oh. eSIM, and it's just like, even in this case, I got an eSIM, but, that, but being Google, they know if you're not in the U.S., no matter what, really, and yeah. they won't let you activate it unless you're in the U.S. Yeah. So ho- hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, but you set it up in the U.S., and then you're just set, right? And it just works globally. So you got you to two bank accounts – don't don't change your any of your services, uh, except for Amazon. Amazon's totally cool, and uh, also like get Google Fi, apply for any credit cards you want, and definitely get like a non PO box mailing address. You're, you're gonna you're gonna want to use that a lot. Well, one one uh, one caveat, and then, and then the, you'll be set. Yeah, one caveat to the the Amazon recommendation is um, Prime is not going to be useful if you're out of your country. Uh, yeah, Prime for, like, is shipping. crap outside so, of the U.S. So, like, Prime Australia is relatively new. I think we're on, like, year three or four of it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I still have – all my Kindle stuff is in America. Um, uh-huh, yeah. And yep. all of my Amazon stuff is in AU because Amazon AU is, like, you know, the cheapest Prime in the world. It's, like, 60 bucks a year. And right. Because, so, because so they I, rarely yeah. ever do next-day shipping because, you know, everything's far away. But, so uh, you're right. I, I mean, so this is this is the compromise that Amazon makes is you can have – this is kind of like old identity management stuff where you would link <laughs> multiple identities. But but you can have an identity per country that yeah. links back that, yep. that are all grouped together. And so it's really nice. Like it's kind of hard to find, but you just switch the country you're in and like it knows it's you. But now it's a different profile of a country. And – now the the bad thing there is you do have to pay a new Prime subscription per country. Yeah, so that that's why we fine. let our, our American Prime slip. You know, so yeah, yeah. the I don't know if it's single sign up, but I use the same credentials for US and Australia. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I think well at least when I've experienced it, it, it totally is single sign on. Like I just I don't have to re-log in, in the app. I just switch the thing. I, I, and, and, thanks uh, to iCloud. Yeah. All right. So Anyhow, to summarize I, this for Chris, it sounds like yeah. we're going kind of like completely. The recommendation is actually the opposite: is 
do not do what Apple says. Keep everything the same. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Get yourself set up in your new country, and then only then, once you kind of figure out what you may need, then well, maybe yeah. Get, Unless uh, it's physical, keep it digital and keep it keep it digital. Back in the All US. right. Whoa, All right, Chris, go ahead. That was a good one, Matt Ray. Unless it's physical, keep it digital. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, if you'd like to uh, ask us a question, you need to post it in Slack or send the question to questions at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I'll just wrap up a few other uh, pieces of listener feedback. We won't go through it all today, but several people uh, wrote in um, after we talked about 1Password that really wouldn't iCloud keychain be the uh, default lifestyle? And it would. So it turns out it looks like there's a lively discussion in Slack. Looks like the Apple iCloud keychain is actually coming out with some nice features that could make it um, mm. a, a viable re- full replacement for One Password. So that's, that's what um, One Password gets for having a booth at Apple's conference. That's right. We'll see. That's what happened. Then. So we'll see. Though, of course, we, it's it's not out. It'll have to be iOS 15. So you should join the Slack if you want to read that lively discussion. There was also a lot of discussion on how how to maybe sell uh, the family on password management. I don't know if there was any uh, yeah. answers in there, but mm. there was like a lot of funny stuff. Also, uh, from last week, I want to say Chris also mentioned from Slack that he was all in on our wait list idea, Matt, that we talked about, but he recommended that be a SaaS. That doesn't need to be a library. It's just a SaaS. I think I agree with him. Probably should be a SaaS and someone should try to, to make money on it. So I appreciate everyone's feedback. And then finally, if you would like a laptop sticker that really you can put on a laptop or put anywhere, just send, your, uh, send me an email at uh, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and just include your postal address. I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. I, th- I think I think if you moved your uh, the waitlist thing was great. I think if you moved your waitlist thing to a SaaS, I think you're three to six months from the phrase air gap waitlist service. Like you're basically <laughs> just like someone's like, can we run it on premises? And you're like, why? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, there's there's uh, like I was saying, I've been going to a lot of conferences. We have a ton of them uh, to mention here. There's uh, that conference which we talk about all the time is finally coming up at the end of the month. We have a good discount code for CDCon that's going to be in Austin. I, I, you know, I have to, I have to make a confession. Uh, I, I've kind of been ignoring submitting to conferences for like three to maybe six months. I think, uh, but I think I'm out of my trough of just like fuddy duddiness. I got, I got to get back on that. But, and uh, of course, there's also FinOps X, which we're going to need a full trip report. From I'm, Matt Ray. I'm there. I, I will yeah. have my report. I'm back in Austin. Going to eat a bunch, and I'm going to get certified. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 357, there are many other conferences we didn't mention, including the wonderful VMware Explorer in late August and Spring One Platform in December uh, that you should uh, check out. But with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend? Well, um, I, I have two recommendations. Uh, the, the Planet Money Indicator podcast had a, a nice little episode about Treasury Series I-bonds, which... Uh, I had never heard of these things. Apparently, uh, they have um, treasury bonds that are tied to the consumer price index, which is a uh, uh, it, you know shorthand for really close to inflation. So, if you had been investing in these things, um, usually the return is you know two percent, one percent. You know, it's it's negligible, but right now it's like almost ten. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you're wanting to hedge your inflation with a government backed bond that approaches 10% interest, you can buy these things. So um, I bought, uh, you know, the, the maximum you can buy is uh, $10,000. Um, so, you know, um, if you're looking to protect yourself from downturns and get a, you know, uh, a inflation indexed return, it's not bad. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, 
And but, then my other pick, is this is this is this the right time to buy that Matt Ray? Or I don't is it know. Too late. Well, that, that's assuming you think that it's not too late. Continue, it's not right? too late. If you want the ten percent, you can get in right now. Yeah, or the nine percent, whatever it is. Yeah, it's like nine point six or something. But you yeah. know, if inflation goes up, uh, that's good. If inflation goes down, that's also good, right? So you know, it, it's not uh, it's not a bunch of stock picks. It's just a you know. <sighs> An inflation tied, you know, treasury bond, which is kind of useful right now. Um, so that's situation. Yeah, hopefully, um, that's one of my picks. And then uh, my other pick is I got myself a new IKEA uh, Hectar desk lamp, and uh, you know, it's not particularly flashy, but it's got a USB port and it's got a USB wireless charger, so that's kind of handy. And uh, yeah, it's attractive. I, I, fe- I feel like Ikea is very adjacent to the defaults lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, absolutely. There, you, I, you know, you know it, it's, sort, it's sort of, I mean, in fact, this, the, there should be a booth at Ikea that's like, you know, for a special entrance and discount for the defaults lifestyle. People. It's just like, <laughs> they, they have a home office section. You know, they're, they're moving into all that stuff. They got chairs, and, they got and it, mouse pads, they got, you know, all that stuff. I, th- I, th- I, think, I think the strategy there is that, in fact, at Ikea, there's too much choice. And so what they need to True. do is they need they all those little test rooms they would need to have one room that's the defaults lifestyle room and you can just order it. Right? Well you could just you buy you could just buy that room, right? You'd be like that's I what, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You order but the, the problem with the, the room IKEA is they've got a dozen of those rooms. You're like, this exactly. is my default. Right, right. So so they need to establish that room. It's just it's just the uh, the default lifestyle room. You can look at all those other rooms, you can go and get yourself an X eighty six box. All these other choices. <laughs> you can go. You can go use one password instead of iCloud Keychain, or you could just use this stack, the yep. the, the the IKEA room. Well, uh, my recommendation uh, this week is when when, when traveling. Uh, what I've been doing is I've been using. I think I've recommended this before, but I've I've rediscovered my love of it. Is I'll have to find what it is. But there are these these bricks that you can get that uh, you extend out the adapter plugs from them. And they have four USB ports on the bottom. And this new one that I've gotten, it has a USB-C port. And so it's perfect. Like this thing, you can like have whatever uh, international plug you want to go into it. But really, like I've noticed that I use it, not I just use it as a normal plug because it's basically like a, a four-port, a five-port USB thing that you can just plug in and power your iPad and uh, and, and that, That's else. my pick next week. <laughs> so brandon what's your recommendation uh well one i want to just tell everyone that the uh the bond desk at the software defined talk trading firm it's definitely all ikea furniture so if you're applying to be in the bond uh, desk that run by matt ray remember it's all ikea so i've enjoyed that uh i'm just going to recommend this week i've been watching the show on amazon it's okay i mean not great but it sort of passes the time outer range it's sort of like yellowstone meets like science fiction and uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it's been interesting. So it's sort of, uh, if you're looking for something new to watch, something that's sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit out there, but kind of just, I don't know, really good scenery. You know, anytime they're in like the Wild West with horses, it's just, it's very relaxing. And there's also a little sci-fi element to it. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, check it out. It's on uh, Amazon Prime here in the U.S. And I don't know, for everyone else around the world, I don't know where it is, but check out Outer Range. <laughs> it's on Prime Australia. I saw it. Okay, there you go. Well, maybe it's on Amazon everywhere, I hope. You know, you know your your frequency of TV show uh, recommendations, Brandon, is inspiring for me because it makes me have hope that in a couple of years I too will have time to watch TV <laughs> because, right. because I, I, I know because my 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 two year old will then be a five year old and uh, 
you know, it won't, uh, I'll be able to sit there with, with my wife, which uh, I've had a long, great relationship with. I remember hanging out with her. There was, there was a time. <laughs> Good times. And uh, we, we can watch these recommendations. Well, if, if uh, you know, if you're just waiting to go discover a new TV show, you, you will be happy that you've come to the end of another episode of Software Defined Talk. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode, including links to things we recommended, a whole lot of uh, articles and uh, news of things that we didn't have time to cover because we were talking about uh, Apple policy for expats and other things like that, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash, I forgot the episode number, but that's fine. Just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 357 and you can find links to those and join our Slack channel. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Matt, give us your biggest loser in your portfolio. Give us your biggest loser and biggest uh, winner. Oh, God. Let me open the tab back up. Biggest winner <laughs> is probably still NVIDIA. NVIDIA? Okay. Hardware. You're a hardware guy. Yeah. I, I bought chips at a good time. Yeah. I kicked. Uh, yeah. NVIDIA is my biggest uh, total gain of 40%. Okay. Nice. Um, That's nice. And my worst is um, Astra Space. What is that? What, what company was that? Uh, they make rockets. Rockets mm-hmm. and then not so good, huh? And then my second worst is Virgin Galactic. They make rockets. And which one is it? <laughs> that's uh, the Bezos company, or is no, that, uh, the um, the, the Virgin guy, uh, Branson. Branson. Richard okay. Branson. The and, original and my third worst innovator. is Grab, which is like the Uber of South Indonesia. Asia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. You can get on. You can uh, get on a scooter awesome. and yeah. just like have them drive you around in uh, in Jakarta if you're into. I that mean, it's not a lot, but you know, I, I started with six thousand and now I have one thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's your portfolio. This is just your entertainment we're, portfolio, then. No, no, no. We're talking about my worst performing stocks. Oh, I see. I see. So that's <laughs> that's share. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So down eighty eight percent. Down eighty six percent. Down eighty one percent. Uh huh. Down seventy six percent. Oh, oh, and I did buy some Kathy Wood stuff at one point, and so that's down sixty eight percent. I also think like no way that laundry thing would have worked. Yeah, it would be like what? Yeah, sure. You have laundry in the back, and you're driving a car. Yeah, no problem. Keep going.